0: We present, Monkey. An abridged translation of the great Chinese classic, Journey to the West, written by Wu Chung-Un, translated by Arthur Whaley, and narrated by Bob Jones. Chapter 21 The pain in that great monkey sage's head was so severe, that at last he could bear it no longer, and cried piteously, Master, stop praying, stop praying, I'll doctor him. How will you do it? asked Tripitaka. The only way is to visit Yama, King of Death, in the land of darkness, and get him to let me have the king's soul, said Monkey. Don't believe him, master, said Pigsy. He told me there was no need to go to the land of darkness. He said he knew how to cure him, here and now, in the world of light. Tripitaka believed this wicked lie and began praying again, and Monkey was so harassed that he soon gave in. All right, all right, he cried, I'll cure him in the world of light. Don't stop, said Pigsy, go on praying as hard as you can. You ill-begotten idiot, cursed Monkey, I'll pay you out for making the Master put a spell on me. Pigsy laughed till he fell over. "'Oh, oh, brother,' he cried. "'You thought it was only on me that tricks could be played. "'You didn't think that I could play a trick on you.' "'Master, stop praying,' said Monkey, "'and let me cure him in the world of light.' "'How can that be done?' asked Tripitaka i will rise on my cloud trapeze said monkey and force my way into the southern gate of heaven i shall not go to the palace of the pole and ox nor to the hall of holy mists but go straight up to the 33rd heaven and in the triosimstra courtyard of the heavenly palace of quit grief i shall visit lao tzu and ask for a grain of his 9 times sublimated life-restoring elixir, and with it I shall bring the king back to life. This suggestion pleased Tripitaka very much. Lose no time about it, he said. It is only the third watch, said Monkey. I shall be back before it is light. But it would look all wrong if the rest of you went quietly to sleep. "'It is only decent that someone should watch by the corpse and mourn.' "'You need say no more,' said Pigsy. "'I can see that you expect me to act as mourner.' "'I should like to see you refuse,' said Monkey. "'If you don't act as a mourner, I certainly shan't bring him back to life.' "'Be off, brother,' said Pigsy, "'and I'll do the mourning.' There are many ways than one of mourning, said Monkey. Mere bellowing with dry eyes is no good, nor is it any better just to squeeze out a few tears. What counts is a good, hearty howling with tears as well. That's what is wanted for a real, miserable morning. I'll give you a specimen, said Pigsy. He then from somewhere or other produced a piece of paper which he twisted into a paper spill and thrust it up his nostrils. This soon set him snivelling and his eyes running, and when he began to howl he kept up such a din that anyone would have thought he had indeed lost his dearest relative. The effect was so mournful that Tripitaka too soon began to weep bitterly. That's what you've got to keep up the whole time I'm away, said Monkey laughing. What I am frightened of is that this fool, the moment my back is turned, will stop wailing. I shall creep back and listen, and if he shows any sign of leaving off, he will get twenty on the paw. Be off with you!' laughed Pigsy. "'I could easily keep this up for two days on end!' Sandy, seeing that Pigsy had settled down to his job, went off to look for some sticks of incense to burn as an offering. "'Excellent!' (laughs) laughed Monkey. "'The whole family is engaged in works of piety. "'Now's the time for old Monkey to get to business.' "'Dear Monkey!' Just at midnight he left his teacher and fellow disciples, mounted his cloud trapeze, and flew in at the southern gate of heaven. He did not indeed call at the precious hall of holy mists, or go to the palace of the pole and ox, but only, along a path of cloudy light, went straight to the thirty-third heaven, to the Triasimpstra courtyard of the heavenly palace of Quit Grief. Just inside the gate he saw Lao Tzu in his alchemical studio with a number of fairy boys holding banana leaf fans and fanning the fire in which the cinnabar was sublimating. As soon as Lao Tzu saw him coming, he called to the boys. Be careful, all of you. Here's the thief who stole the elixir. Come back again. Monkey bowed and said laughing. Reverence, sir, there is no need to be in such a fret. You need take no precautions against me. I have come on quite different business." Monkey, said Lao Tzu, 500 years ago you made great trouble in the palace of heaven and stole a great quantity of my holy elixir, for which crime you were arrested and placed in my crucible where you were smelted for forty-nine days at the cost of I-know-not-how-much-charcoal. Now you have been lucky enough to obtain forgiveness. Enter the service of Buddha and go with Tripitaka, the priest of Tang, to get scriptures in India. Some while ago you quelled a demon in the flat-topped mountain and tricked disaster, but did not give me my share in the treasure. What brings you here today? In those old days, said Monkey, I lost no time in returning to you those five treasures of yours. You have no reason to be suspicious of me. But what are you doing here? asked Lao Tzu, creeping into my palace instead of getting on with your journey. On our way to the west, said Monkey, we came to a country called Crow-Cock, the king of the country employed a wizard, who had disguised himself as a Taoist to bring rain. This wizard secretly did away with the king, whose form he assumed, and now he is ensconced in the Hall of Golden Bells. My master was reading the scriptures in the Treasurewood Temple, when the soul of the king came to him and earnestly requested that I might be sent to subdue the wizard and expose his imposture. I felt that I had no proof of the crime, and went with my fellow disciple, Pigsy. We broke into the flower garden by night, and looking for the crystal well into which the king had been thrown, we fished him up, and found him still, sound, and fresh. When we got back to the temple and saw Tripitaka, his compassion was aroused, and he ordered me to bring the king to life, but I was not to go to the world of darkness to recover his soul. I must cure him here in the world of light. I could think of no way but to ask you for your help. Would you be so kind as to lend me a thousand of your nine times sublimated life-restoring pills? Then I shall be able to set him right." A thousand pills indeed, exclaimed Lao Tzu. Why not two thousand? Is he to have them at every meal instead of rice? Do you think one has only to stoop and pick them up like dirt from the ground? Shoo! Be off with you. I've nothing for you." "'I'd take a hundred, said Monkey, laughing. "'I dare say,' said Lao Tzu. But I haven't any." "'I'd take ten, said Monkey." "'A curse on this monkey!' said Lao Tzu, very angry. "'Will he never stop haggling? Be off with you immediately!' If you really haven't got any, said Monkey, I shall have to find some other way of bringing him to life. Go, 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 screamed Lao Tzu. Very reluctantly, Monkey turned away. But suddenly, Lao Tzu thought to himself, This monkey is very crafty. If he really went away and stayed away, it would be all right. But I am afraid he will slip back again and steal some. So he sent a fairy boy to bring Monkey back, and said to him, If you are really so anxious to have some, I'll spare you just one pill. Sir, said Monkey, if you had an inkling of what I can do if I choose, you would think yourself lucky to go shares in it with me. If you hadn't given in, I should have come with my dredge and fished up the whole lot. Lao Tzu took a gourd-shaped pot and, tilting it up, emptied one grain of elixir and passed it across to Monkey, saying, That's all you'll get, so be off with it. And if with this one grain you can bring the king back to life, you are welcome to the credit of it. Not so fast, said Monkey. I must taste it first. I don't want to be put off with a sham. So saying, he tossed it into his mouth, Lao Tzu rushed forward to stop him, and pressing his fists against his skullcap, he cried in despair, "'If you swallow it, I shall kill you on the spot!' "'Revolting meanness,' said Monkey. "'Keep calm. No one is eating anything of yours. And how much is it worth, anyhow? It's pretty wretched stuff, and come to that, I haven't swallowed it. It's here!' For the fact is that monkeys have a pouch under the gullet and Monkey had stored the grain of elixir in his pouch. Lao Tzu pinched him and said, be off with you and don't let me find you hanging round here anymore. So Monkey took leave of him and quitted the trier Simstra heaven. In a moment he had left by the southern gate and turning eastward, he saw the great globe of the sun just mounting. Lowering his cloud seat, he soon reached the Treasurewood temple, where even before he had entered the gate, he could hear Pigsy still howling. He stepped briskly forward and cried, Master! <laughs> Is that Monkey? said Tripitaka delightedly. Have you got your elixir? Certainly, said Monkey. What's the use of asking? said Pigsy. You can't count on a sneak like that to bring back some trifle that doesn't belong to him. Brother, laughed Monkey, you can retire. We don't need you any more. Wipe your eyes, and if you want to do more howling, do it elsewhere. And you, Sandy, bring me a little water. Sandy hurried out to the well behind the temple, where there was a bucket of water ready drawn. He dipped his bowl into it and brought half a bowlful of water. Monkey filled his mouth with water and then spat out the elixir into the emperor's lips. Next he forced open his jaws, and pouring in some clean water, he floated the elixir down into his belly. In a few moments there was a gurgling sound inside, but the body still did not move. Master, said Monkey, what will become of me if my elixir fails? Shall I be beaten to death? "'I don't see how it can fail,' said Tripitaka. "'It's already a miracle that a corpse that has been dead so long can swallow water. "'After the elixir entered his belly, we heard the guts ring. "'When the guts ring, the veins move in harmony. "'It only remains to get the breath into circulation. "'But even a piece of iron gets a bit rusty when it has been under water for three years. "'It is only natural that something of the same kind should happen to a man.' All that's wrong with him is that he needs a supply of breath. If someone puts a mouthful of good breath into him, he would be quite himself again." Pigsy at once offered himself for this service, but Tripitaka held him back. "'You're no use for that!' he cried. Let Monkey do it. Tripitaka knew what he was talking about, for Pigsy had, in his early days, eaten living things and even monstrously devoured human flesh, so that all his stock of breath was defiled. Whereas Monkey had always lived on pine seeds, cypress cones, peaches and the like, and his breath was pure. So Monkey stepped forward, and putting his wide mouth against the Emperor's lips, he blew hard into his throat. The breath went down to the two-storey tower, round the Hall of Light, on to the Cinnabar Field and from the jetting spring went back again into the mud-wall palace. Whereupon there was a deep panting sound. The king's humours concentrated, his spirits returned. He rolled over, brandished his fist, and bent his legs. Then with a cry, Master, he knelt down in the dust and said, Little did I think when my soul visited you last night, that to-day at dawn I should again belong to the world of light. Tripitaka quickly raised him from his knees and said, Your Majesty, this is no doing of mine. You must thank my disciple. What talk is that? said Monkey, laughing. The proverb says, A household cannot have two masters. There is no harm in letting him pay his respects to you. Tripitaka, still feeling somewhat embarrassed, raised the emperor to his feet and brought him to the Hall of Meditation, where he and his disciples again prostrated themselves and set him on a seat. The priests of the temple had got ready their breakfast and invited Tripitaka and his party to join them. Imagine their astonishment when they saw an Emperor, his clothes still dripping. Don't be surprised, said Monkey coming forward. This is the King of Crow-Cock, your rightful Lord. Three years ago He was robbed of his life by a friend, and tonight I brought him back to life. Now we must take him to the city and expose the imposter. If you have anything for us to eat, serve it now, and we will start as soon as we have breakfasted. The priests brought the emperor hot water to wash in and helped him out of his clothes. The almoner brought him a cloth jacket, and instead of his jade belt tied a silk sash round his waist, took off his upturned shoes, and gave him a pair of old priest's sandals. Then they all had breakfast, and saddled the horse. "'Pixie, is your luggage very heavy?' asked Monkey. "'Brother, I've carried it so many days on end, that I don't know whether it's heavy or not.' "'Divide the pack into two, said Monkey. "'Take one half yourself, and give the other to his emperor to carry.' In that way we shall get quicker to the city and dispose of our business. That's a bit of luck, said Pigsy. It was a nuisance getting him here. But now that he's been made alive, he's coming in useful as a partner. Pigsy then divided the luggage after his own methods. Borrowing a hod from the priests of the temple, he put everything light into his own load and everything heavy into the king's. "'I hope your majesty has no objection,' said Monkey, laughing, "'to being dressed up like this, and carrying the luggage, and following us on foot.' "'Master,' said the emperor, instantly flinging himself upon his knees, "'I can only regard you as my second progenitor, "'and let alone carrying luggage for you, "'my heartfelt desire is to go with you all the way to India, "'even if I were only to serve you as the lowest menial.' running beside you, whip in hand, as you ride. There's no need for you to go to India, said Monkey. That's our special concern. All you have to do is to carry the luggage forty leagues to the city, and then let us seize the fiend. After which, you can go on being Emperor again, and we can go on looking for scriptures. That's all very well, said Pigsy. But in that case... He gets off with forty leagues, while I shall be on the job all the time. Brother, said Monkey, don't talk nonsense, but be quick and lead the way out. Pigsy and the Emperor accordingly led the way, while Sandy supported Tripitaka on his horse and Monkey followed behind. They were accompanied to the gates by five hundred priests in gorgeous procession, blowing conches as they walked don't come with us any further said monkey if some official were to notice our plans might get out and everything could go wrong go back at once and have the emperor's clothes well cleaned and send them to the city tonight or early tomorrow i will see to it that you are well paid for your pains They had not travelled for half a day when the walls and moat of the city of Crow-Cock came into view. Monkey, said Tripitaka, I think this place in front of us must be the city of Crow-Cock. It certainly is, said Monkey. Let us hurry on and do our business. When they reached the city, they found the streets and markets thronging with people, and everywhere a great stir and bustle. Soon they saw, rising before them, towers and gables of great magnificence. Disciples, said Tripitaka, let us go at once to court and get our papers put in order. Then we shall have no more trouble hanging about in government offices. That is a good idea, said Monkey. We will all come with you. The more tellers, the better the story. Well, if you all come, said Tripitaka, You must behave nicely and not say anything till you have done homage as humble subjects of the throne but that means bowing down said monkey to be sure said tripitaka you have to bow down five times and strike your forehead on the ground three times master said monkey that's not a good idea to pay homage to a thing like that is really too silly. Let me go in first, and I will decide what we are to do. If he addresses us, let me answer him. If you see me bow, then you must bow too. If I squat, then you must squat Look at him, that monkey king, maker of many troubles, how he goes straight up to the door and says to the high officer in charge. We were sent by the emperor of China to worship Buddha in India and fetch scriptures. We want to have our papers put in order here and would trouble you to announce our arrival. By doing so, you will not fail to gain religious merit. The eunuch went in, and knelt on the steps of the throne, announcing the visitors and their request. I did not think it right to let them straight in, he said. They await your orders outside the door. The false king then summoned them in. Tripitaka entered, accompanied by the true king, who as he went could not stop the tears that coursed down his cheeks. Alas! he sighed to himself my dragon-guarded rivers and hills, my iron girt shrines, who would have guessed that a creature of darkness would possess you all? Emperor, said Monkey, you must control your emotion, or we shall be discovered. I can feel the truncheon behind my ear twitching, and I am certain that I shall be successful. Leave it to me to slay the monster, and when things are cleaned up, those rivers and hills will soon be yours again." The true king dared not demur. He wiped away his tears and followed as best he could. At last they reached the Hall of Golden Bells, where they saw the two rows of officials, civil and military, and the 400 court officers, all of imposing stature and magnificently apparelled. Monkey led forward Tripitaka to the white jade steps, where they both stood motionless and erect. The officials were in consternation. Are these the priests so utterly bereft of decency and reason, they exclaimed? How comes it that, seeing our king, they do not bow down or greet him with any word of blessing? Not even a cry of salutation escaped their lips. Never have we seen such impudent lack of manners. Where do they come from? interrupted the false king. We were sent from the eastern land of Tang, in southern Jambudvipa, said Monkey haughtily, by royal command to go to India, that is in the western region, and there to worship the living Buddha in the temple of the great thunderclap, and obtain true scriptures. Having arrived here, we dare not proceed without coming first to you, to have our passports put in order. The false king was very angry. "'What is this eastern land of yours?' he said. "'Do I pay tribute to it that you should appear before me in this rude fashion without bowing down? "'I have never had any dealings with your country.' "'Our eastern land,' said Monkey, "'long ago set up a heavenly court and became a great power, "'whereas yours is a minor power, a mere frontier land.' There is an old saying, the king of a great country is father and lord, the king of a lesser country is vassal and son. You admit that you have had no dealings with our country. How dare you contend that we ought to bow down? Remove that uncivil priest, the king called to his officers of war. At this, all the officers sprang forward, but Monkey made a magic pass and cried, Halt! The magic of the pass was such that these officers all suddenly remained rooted to the spot and could not stir. Well might it be said, the captains standing round the steps became like figures of wood. The generals on the royal dais were like figures of clay. Seeing that Monkey had brought his officers civil and military to a standstill, the false king leapt from his dragon couch and made as though to seize him. Good, said Monkey to himself, that is just what I wanted. Even if his hand is made of iron, this cudgel of mine will make some pretty dents in it. But just at this moment a star of rescue arrived. Who can this have been, you ask? It was no other than the Prince of crow who hastened forward and clutched at the false king's sleeve and kneeling before him cried, Father and king, stay your anger. Little son, asked the king, why should you say this? I must inform my father and king, said the prince. Three years ago, I heard someone say that a priest had been sent from Tang to get scriptures in India and it is he who has now unexpectedly arrived in our country. If my father and king, yielding to the ferocity of his noble nature, now arrests and beheads this priest, I fear that the news will one day reach the emperor of Tang, who will be furiously angry. You must know that after Li Shimin had established his great dynasty of Tang and united the whole land, his heart was still not content and he has now begun to conquer faraway lands. If he hears that you have done harm to his favorite priest, he will raise his hosts and come to make war upon you. Our troops are few and our generals feeble. You will, when it is too late, be sorry indeed that you provoked him. If you were to follow your small son's advice, you would question these four priests and only punish such of them are proved not to travel at the king of China's bidding. This was a stratagem of the prince's, for he feared that harm might come to Tripitaka, and therefore tried to check the king, not knowing that Monkey was ready to strike. The false king believed him, and standing in front of the dragon couch, he cried in a loud voice, Priest, how long ago did you leave China? And why were you sent to get scriptures? My master, said Monkey haughtily, is called Tripitaka, and is treated by the emperor of China as his younger brother. The emperor, in a vision, went to the realms of death, and on his return, he ordered a great mass for all souls in torment. On this occasion, my master recited so well, and showed such compassionate piety, that the goddess Quen Yin chose him to go on a mission to the west. My master vowed that he would faithfully perform this task in return for his sovereign's bounties, and he was furnished by the emperor with credentials for the journey. He started in the 13th year of the emperor's reign in the ninth month, three days before the full moon. After leaving China, he came first to the land of the two frontiers, where he picked up me and made me his chief disciple. In the hamlet of the Cao family, On the borders of the country of Wusu, he picked up a second disciple called Pigzi. And at the River of Flowing Sands, he picked up a third, whom we call Sandy. Finally, a few days ago, at the Temple of the Treasure Wood, he found another recruit, the servant who is carrying the luggage. The false king thought it unwise to ask any more questions about Tripitaka, But he turned savagely upon Monkey, and addressed to him a crafty question. I can accept, he said, that one priest set out from China, and picked up three priests on the way. But your story about the fourth member of your party I altogether disbelieve. This servant is certainly someone whom you have kidnapped. What is his name? has he a passport or has he none bring him before me to make his disposition the true king shook with fright master he whispered what am I to depose that's all right said monkey I'll make your deposition for you dear monkey he stepped boldly forward and crying to the magician in a loud clear voice Your Majesty, this old man is dumb, and rather hard of hearing, but it so happens, that when he was young, he travelled to India, and knows the way there. I know all about his career and origins, and with your Majesty's permission, I will make a deposition on his behalf. Make haste, said the false king, and furnish a true deposition, or you will get into trouble monkey then recited as follows the subject of this deposition is far advanced in years he is deaf and dumb and has fallen on evil days his family for generations has lived in these parts but five years ago disaster overtook his house heaven sent no rain the people perished of drought the lord king and all his subjects fasted and did penance They burned incense, purified themselves, and called upon the Lord of Heaven, but in all the sky not a wisp of cloud appeared. The hungry peasants dropped by the roadside when suddenly there came a Taoist magician from the Chungnan Mountains, a monster in human form. He called to the winds and summoned the rain, displaying godlike power. But soon after secretly destroyed this wretched man's life in the flower garden he pushed him down into the crystal well then set himself on the dragon throne none knowing it was he luckily i came and achieved a great success i raised him from the dead and restored him to life without hurt or harm he earnestly begged to be admitted to our faith and act as carrier on the road to join with us in our quest and journey to the western land. The false king who sits on the throne is that foul magician. He that now carries our load is Crow-a-Cox-a-rightful king. When the false king in the palace of Golden Bells heard these words, He was so startled that his heart fluttered like the heart of a small deer. Then clouds of shame suffused his face, and leaping to his feet he was about to flee when he remembered that he was unarmed. Looking around he saw a captain of the guard with a dagger at his waist, standing there dumb and foolish as a result of Monkey's spell. The false king rushed at him and snatched the dagger then leapt upon a cloud and disappeared into space. Sandy burst into an exclamation of rage, and Pigsy loudly abused Monkey for his slowness. It's a pity you didn't look sharp and stop him, he said. Now he has sailed off on a cloud, and we shall never be able to find him. (laughs) Don't shout at me, brothers, said Monkey, laughing. Let us call to the prince to come and do reverence to his true father, and the queen to her husband. Then, undoing by a magic pass the spell that he had put upon the officers, he told them to wake up and do homage to their lord, acknowledging him as their true king. Give me a few facts to go upon, he said, and as soon as I have got things clear, I will go and look for him." Dear Monkey, He instructed Pigsy and Sandy to take good care of the Prince, King, Ministers, Queen and Tripitaka. But while he was speaking, he suddenly vanished from sight. He had already jumped up into the Empyrene and was peering round on every side looking for the wizard. Presently he saw that monster flying for his life towards the northeast. Monkey caught him up and shouted, Monster, where are you off to? Monkey has come. The wizard turned swiftly, drew his dagger and cried, Monkey, you scamp! "'What has it got to do with you whether I usurp someone else's throne? "'Why should you come calling me to account and letting out my secrets?' Ho ho laughed Monkey. "'You impudent rascal, do you think I am going to allow you to play the Emperor? "'Knowing who I am, you would have done well to keep out of my way. "'Why did you bully my master, demanding depositions and whatnot?' You must admit now that the deposition was not far from the truth. Stand your ground and take old Monkey's cudgel like a man. The wizard dodged and parried with a thrust of his dagger at Monkey's face it was a fine sight. After several bouts the magician could no longer stand up against Monkey and suddenly turning he fled back the way he had come, leapt into the city and slipped in among the officers who were assembled before the steps of the throne. Then giving himself a shake he changed into an absolute counterpart of Tripitaka And stood beside him in front of the steps. Monkey rushed up and was about to strike what he supposed to be the wizard when this Tripitaka said, Disciple, do not strike, it is I. It was impossible to distinguish between them. If I kill Tripitaka, who is a transformation of the wizard, then I shall have achieved a glorious success. But supposing, on the other hand, it turns out that I have killed the real Tripitaka, that would not be so good. There was nothing for it but to stay his hand, and calling to Pigsy and Sandy, he asked, Which really is the wizard, and which is our master? Just point for me, and I will strike the one you point at. We were watching you going for one another up in the air, said Pigsy, when suddenly we looked round and saw that there were two Tripitakas, We have no idea which is the real one. When Monkey heard this, he made a single pass and recited a spell to summon the Divas that protect the law, the local deities and the spirits of the neighbouring hills and told them of his predicament. The wizard thought it time to mount the clouds again and began to make towards the door, Thinking that Tripitaka was clearing the ground for him, Monkey raised his cudgel, and had it not been for the deities he had summoned, he would have struck such a big blow at his master as would have made mincemeat of twenty Tripitakas. But in the nick of time, the guardian deities stopped him, saying, Great sage, the wizard is just going to mount the clouds again. Monkey rushed after him and was about to cut off his retreat when the wizard turned round, slipped back again into the crowd and was once more indistinguishable from the real Tripitaka. Much to Monkey's annoyance, Pigsy stood by laughing at his discomfiture. "'You've nothing to laugh at, you hulking brute,' he said. "'This means you've got two masters to order you about. "'It's not going to do you much good.' "'Brother,' said Pigsy, "'you call me a fool, but you're a worse fool than I. "'You can't recognize your own master, "'and it's a waste of effort to go on trying. "'But you would at least recognize your own headache, "'and if you ask our master to recite his spell, "'Sandy and I will stand by and listen. "'The only one who doesn't know the spell "'will certainly be the wizard. Then all will be easy." "'Brother,' said Monkey, "'I am much obliged to you. There are only three people who know that spell. It sprouted from the heart of Lord Buddha himself. It was handed down to the Bodhisattva Yin, and was then taught to our master by the Bodhisattva herself. No one else knows it. Good then. Master, recite.' The real Tripitaka at once began to recite the spell while the wizard could do nothing but mumble senseless sounds. That's the wizard, cried Pigsy. He's only mumbling. And at the same time, he raised his rake and was about to strike when the wizard sprang into the air and ran up along the clouds. Dear Pigsy, with a loud cry, he set off in pursuit. And Sandy. Leaving Tripitaka, hastened to the attack with his priest's staff. Tripitaka stopped reciting, and Monkey, released from his headache, seized his iron cudgel, and sped through the air. Hey, what a fight! Three wild priests beleaguered one foul fiend. With rake and staff, Pigsy and Sandy assailed him from right and left. If I join in, said Monkey, and attack him in the front, I fear he is so frightened of me that he will run away again. Let me get into position above him and give him a real garlic-pounding blow that will finish him off for good and all. He sprang up into the Empyrean and was about to deliver a tremendous blow when, from a many-coloured cloud in the northeast, there came a voice which said, Monkey, stay your hand. Monkey looked round and saw it was the Bodhisattva Manjushri. He withdrew his cudgel and coming forward did obeisance, saying, Bodhisattva, where are you going to? I came to take this monster off your hands, said Manjushri. I am sorry you should have the trouble, said Monkey. The Bodhisattva then drew from his sleeve a magic mirror that showed demons in their true form. Monkey called to the other two to come and look, and in the mirror they saw the wizard in his true shape. He was Manjushri's lion. Bodhisattva, said Monkey, this is the blue maned lion that you sit upon how comes it that it ran away and turned into an evil spirit can't you keep it under control it did not run away said manjushri it acted under orders from buddha himself you mean to tell me said monkey that it was buddha who told this creature to turn into an evil spirit and seize the emperor's throne in that case "'All the troubles I meet while escorting Tripitaka are very likely ordered by His Holiness. A nice thought!' "'Monkey!' said Manjushri, "'you don't understand. "'In the beginning this king of Crow-cock was devoted to good works and the entertaining of priests. "'Buddha was so pleased that he sent me to fetch him away to the Western Paradise, "'where he was to assume a golden body and become an Arhat.' As it was not proper for me to show myself in my true form, I came disguised as a priest and begged for alms. Something I said gave him offence, and not knowing that I was anyone in particular, he had me bound and cast into the river, where I remained under water for three nights and three days, till at last a guardian spirit rescued me and brought me back to paradise. I complained to Buddha, who sent this creature to throw the king into the well, and let him remain there three years as a retaliation for the three days that I was in the river. You know the saying, not a sip, not a sup. But now you have arrived on the scene, the episode is successfully closed. That is all very well, said Monkey. "'All these sips and sups may have enabled you to get even with your enemy, "'but what about all the unfortunate people whom his fiend has ruined?' "'He hasn't ruined anyone,' said Manchushri. "'During the three years that he was on the throne, rain has fallen, "'the crops have been good, and the people at perfect peace. "'How can you speak of his ruining people?' "'That may be,' said Monkey. But how about all the ladies of the court who have been sleeping with him and unwittingly been led into heinous and unnatural offence? They would hardly subscribe to the view that he had done no harm. He isn't in a position to defile anyone, said Manjushri. He's a gelded lion. At this, Pixie came up to the wizard and felt him. Quite true, he announced, laughing. This is a blotchy nose that never sniffed wine. A bad name and nothing to show for it. Very well, then, said Monkey. Take him away. If you had not come just in time, he'd have been dead by now. Manjushri then recited a spell and said, Creature, back to your true shape and look sharp about it. The wizard at once changed into his real lion form, the Manjushri putting down the lotus that he carried in his hand, harnessed the lion, mounted him and rode away over the clouds. If you do not know how Tripitaka and his disciples left the city, you must listen while it is explained to you in the next chapter. Listening to Monkey, an abridged translation of the great Chinese classic Journey to the West, written by Wu Cheng'en, translated by Arthur Whaley, and narrated by Bob Jones.